The upcoming presentation is a two-man power trip of wrestling podcast production. What's up, guys? It's the phenomenal AJ Styles. You're listening to the two-man power trip. Hey, Johnny. Cool, man. What's going on? We ready to go or what? Okay. to the two-man power trip of wrestling i am your host jp john pause and we're back at it again for another part of the who is series this week who is the greatest worker of all time i am joined by mr hmg mr tmpt the man who enjoys working himself rbv what's going on rick Pause. Good to be back here again. Yeah, I, this was a perfect opportunity to get those plugs in for, uh, well, I guess, no pun intended, get those plugs in for the hub. Got to show it some love as we're going to talk about the, the greatest worker in pro wrestling. Before we dive into that, I know we got more introductions, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to need you to have to clarify. Give me some parameters here for how you define the, the greatest worker. I will. Right after I introduce the third man in the booth. Mr. Destino himself, the Dr. Michael Jargo. Jargo, what's going on? What's happening, gentlemen? You know, I'm sitting here in studio 101 and a half. We're almost up to 203 now. We're just waiting on the new studio computer. It's like I have all these body parts laying around, but I have no brain, which Rick would tell you, you know, that he knew I had no brain like four years ago, but here we are. If I only had a brain, right? The old uh, Wizard of Oz. So well played. So, Rick. You're questioning what is greatest worker. To me, it is different than a technician. I know what you're thinking. How are they similar? They're so close. To me, I think they're very different in a sense where it's a lot more about pacing and timing and being able to carry a match and lead a match, much more so than it is executing the maneuvers and being the excellence of execution. I'll I'll give you that. So Bret Hart technically, to me, falls under both categories easily and for sure. But not necessarily everyone would fall into the greatest work category. Because I think sometimes, like, I'll put Malenko up there. I think he's great. And just to kind of, I think he's great. But he's, to me, a little bit more of a technician than a worker. Call me crazy on that one. But uh, I don't know. Maybe I'm being too too specific about it. No, I'll I'll give you that there. You know, as I look at worker, and it really, to me, it changes as we look at the different generations and ears inside of the business of professional wrestling. So as we make that transition from, yeah, you know, from true, that classic 60s, 70s pro wrestling 
into that 80s you know you got the rock and roll wrestling the the new golden boom you if you will into the modern where you really see now the influence of sports entertainment even in, even now even in these days counting in social media that working you know totally working the audience to take your entire just not you know bell to bell but your entire being in pro wrestling to that next level where you are just getting people to buy in your sell, sell, selling. Rick, I, I, I like how Rick approached that. You said the key phrase for me when it comes to best worker, even though I have several Japanese names on my list, it's the best sports entertainer. It's somebody, it's the complete package. You're talking charisma, you're talking the promo, you're talking the storytelling, as well as the action inside of the ring. To me, it's the best sports entertainer, which is a little bit different than best technician, best professional wrestler. Because as we now know, they're two very, very different categories. I would almost say, and you know, nothing Lex Luger is not on this list, but I would say it's the total package. The guy who's the complete package. And no offense to Lex Luger's, I think Lex is great, but he wouldn't be the complete package as far as being able to do the best of both worlds. So even Malenko, like I was kind of saying, he could do one and necessarily maybe not be such a great entertainer on the other aspect. Bret Hart, on the other hand, I think it does both very well. And I got to bring him up, brought him up first place. We all bring him up again. To me, one of the greatest workers of all time, you want to go by the Bret Hart scale as well which is, you know, you rate a guy by 10. Charisma, then, the, you know, which is 10 and kind of like the look. Then you go work rate, then you go promo. So that you have a, a total of 30 points to go by, and then you add it up. So if a guy is kind of over 20 points, 10, 10, and 10, let's say Ric Flair, Randy Savage, they might be more close to 30. Then, you know, then you got to, you know what I mean? Like that kind of scale. So even Bret Hart on his own scale wouldn't be a 30. He would say 10 worker. His look was, I forget what he gave his look. I think he gave it seven or something. And then he was saying his promo was an eight. So he's, you know, he's like a 25 out of, out of 30. That kind of guy generates, to me, by that scale, generates the best worker. So Brett is definitely very, very high on this scale. I would rate him a little bit higher in, in all those categories. Obviously, you can't get higher than 10. But that's kind of the gist of it for me, if you're, if you're getting that. So what you're saying is Sean Spears is the greatest worker of all time because he is a perfect <laughs> 10 and we can just go home now. Yes. As Although, if we're not already in our homes. Right. But just throw Brett out there. Underrated as a promo. There's no doubt about that. If you go through a year in, in 1997 specifically and you were the best promo of the year and you stand out and everybody remembers all your promos and everybody's still talking about it 20 some years later. You're a pretty damn good promo. You could say the rest, maybe some generic stuff earlier on, or he's tip being typical baby face, or he's you know a little dry, or whatever you want to say in the promo. You just go by that year. It's like, wow, that guy was the best promo in the business in one of the hottest years ever in wrestling. It's like, okay, I guess that guy was a damn good promo. Loved his look, loved his ability, smaller than the Hogan era guys, obviously, but the jacket, the pink and black attack, the sunglasses, the wet hair being in shape, you know, he's probably 235, it's like 6'1", 6'2", 235, not huge, but bigger than everyone pretty much today <laughs> in the grand scheme of things. To me, awesome wrestler, technician, but he could do this, the sports entertaining stuff. Leaned much more towards the wrestling part, which is probably why he might not be the greatest worker, quote-unquote, in this discussion of all time, but he's definitely up there on my list. 
Well, I think what really what stands out with with Brett is he represents as I was talking about those different generations and years, and he comes from you know up there in the dungeon. What they're Todd, you know, working for Stampede for his family and all that. It was where yeah, where that worker was a solid. You go out there, you know, a move set. You got body language. It, it looks like it's a legitimate contest, and, and Brett had that. And he took that into the world of sports entertainment. And sure, you know, early on, you, he, I'm going to say he probably had great influences, you know, getting teamed up with somebody like Jimmy Hart that understood that early. You know, how that you got to have a little of that bat, that flash, that flair. Uh, you know, when you talk about Jimmy Hart, I mean, he brought out the best in anyone he was representing there. And it ultimately, what grew, you know, that relationship early with the Hart Foundation is what Brett would carry on in his own legacy when he went into the singles competition. When you talk about the promo itself, it, you always get that sense. You know, Brett realized, you know, he was a wrestler. He was a man's man inside the world of professional wrestling. And it probably didn't feel like he needed that to succeed. That he should be able to go out there and stand on the traditional values of pro wrestling. Go out there, not just be a tremendous technician, know what you're doing, but t- truly rely on that body language. And that's what he was so amazing at. Then when he, you know, kind of realized he starts getting that push, you know, he goes out there, Piper is going to help get him, kind of get him in that direction. He wants to work with him. One of the greatest promos, talkers in the history of the game. See, maybe Brett was trying to force himself early because it it really felt that way. Brett would early on would come off today, like a lot of the so-called superstars today do, where they seem they're forced. Uh, Maybe he's over scripting himself, but when he really let, his own personality come through. Uh, you know, they say that's that's what truly sets off someone incredible in, in pro wrestling is you just take their own personality, crank it up to 10, rip the dial off. That's when you saw Brett go to a different level and he became a total package in pro wrestling. I like the way that you brought all of that together because I, I think the biggest thing with Brett is when Brett could work himself, Brett was really, really good. Because Brett was was so into the world. I mean, there, there's some people that even claim that Brett Hart is, in fact, a mark for himself. That, you know, he had to be the champion because he felt that he was the best. And, you know, and, and I get all of that. When Brett was actually invested, when Brett could work himself into a shoot, like, I don't know, maybe the Shawn Michaels feud, two guys who genuinely didn't like one another, Brett was absolute gold. But if it was something like Rick was saying, where it's not a main event program where we've got you working, you know, the middle of the card for the next month or two months, because we're doing this on top with Sean or, or with Steve, whatever, Brett would kind of check out and it wasn't as good. I think you guys both overvalue Brett's promo, at least versus what I do, because to me, the problem with Brett was there was no dynamic to it. Like you were going to get the Bret Hart promo, but he never really turned it up and he never really turned it back. He didn't have a whole lot of dynamic to his promo. It was just the Bret Hart promo. And I think what's good about that is because it's real. Hey, Jargo, I love how you say Bret is a mark for himself. Well, is it, you know, the biggest I'm not even saying that's necessarily a bad thing. Oh, I I know. And that's what, you know, that's what. That's what I think really is plays into how great Brett was, and and I, you know I'm not going to say he's one of the best promos in the business, but but where where he was seriously lacking was in that area, and he picked up tremendous ground when he found his own voice, and you felt like you were getting the real Brett Hart there. 
So then that is Brett. Even when you hear him speak today, if it's off, you know, not even wrestling related, he still kind of he carries that same tone, those mannerisms and all of that there. But what's seriously lacking today in professional wrestling is, you know, come on, for decades now. You know, we've we've known what it is. Fans have known what it is, but you can but you can give that all up and you want to believe. You want to buy into it, and you and how am I going to believe it if they don't believe it? Right. And Bret Hart sure as hell believed it, and he believed in himself. So you know what? As a young fan, as a fan now, I believe in Bret Hart. He still does. I mean, to to even hear Bret in interviews now, you know, he he looks back on it from the same perspective as he did when he was balls deep in it. He's Bret the Hitman Hart, and what you see is what you get. With Brett, we talked about him last week as well. Such a good technician. The greatest technician did a little bit of a vote. I think about 90 votes or so came through. Only had it up for a day or so, but he killed the competition in who was the greatest technician. He used 61%. I think the next guy had 12 or something, and a few people voted Kurt Angle and Cowboy Bob Orton. But I think the next guy, if I remember correctly, was Benoit, and then Daniel Bryan, then it was Kurt Angle. But he killed it. He was 61%. There's no doubt about it. But as far as being a worker and being the complete package, we mentioned, I'll stick with, since we, I just mentioned him, we mentioned him last week, Daniel Bryan. Where does he rank up there in your greatest workers of all time? I know RBV will definitely shoot it down, but Jargo, you may agree that he's got to be up there. I do have uh, Daniel Bryan on my list. And, you know, I'm, I'm very, very fond of the backslash and putting another name next to it. And next to Bryan's name this week, I put Nigel McGinnis. Uh, the program, especially between the two of those guys is some of the best work that we've seen in the last 20 to 30 years of professional wrestling and the feud that they had inside of ring of honor. It's really unfortunate that Nigel had his injuries that early in his career, because I very much think Nigel McGinnis would have been on that same career trajectory that, uh, Brian Danielson was as for Brian himself. I mean, I never thought Brian was necessarily the greatest promo once he got into the WWE, but you know, in a modern WWE context, who is a good promo because the scripting is just absolutely awful. Um, and then WrestleMania 30 happened and the build to WrestleMania 30. And you got to see the actual personality of Daniel Bryan come out. And he's really, here we are seven years later. And he's still riding that wave. It's just absolutely insane to me. And, you know, as we talk about work, I guess in a weird way, the gimmick actually very much plays into who is the greatest worker. And Brian's gimmick is he's the biggest underdog baby face of all freaking time. Pretty good gimmick to have. Yeah. Uh, ROH a few years back made a great DVD compilation, which is I'm sure is on honor, uh, honor club now. Danielson versus McGinnis and has all their matches on it, which were all tremendous. The favorite one of mine and one of my favorite matches of all time was over in England, the pure title and the ROH world title unification match, which is awesome. And it's probably why McGinnis has so many head issues or did have so many head issues. Oh man. He hit his head legit on the post twice and you could see a a goiter just blow up on his head, but awesome. Anybody who's never seen those matches go out of your way. Awesome. to find that series of matches. It's just incredible stuff. Coach Krzyzewski, what do you got? Yeah, I had to bring that up, right? With a tear of my eye, uh, I do want to talk about <laughs> Salt in the wound, bro. Just Join a Duke shirt, for Christ's sake. Come on. 
Uh, but anyway, going way back when Nigel came here locally to Cincinnati to train, uh, just coming to the States and all that HWA, I remember going to shows and saying, this guy is going to headline a WrestleMania. Uh, I mean, you can see it then. I mean, just how just how magnificent he was. And unfortunately, his, his career path just, just didn't go that route. And what could have been there for him? But I, I don't get why. Why do you think I would immediately shoot down Daniel Bryan, Paz? I, I really... You're all like, oh, Ultimate Warrior is the best worker of all time. Like, silliness like that. Yeah, yeah, okay. <laughs> uh, no, I, I I have got a great appreciation for Daniel Bryan. Uh, in today's WWE, I think he's one of the uh, 1% of their, again, quote-unquote, superstars that, that actually gets it. He, he can go out there with reckless abandonment, but there is this method to his madness. He's just not setting up spots. Uh, he looks... As Jargo said, he is that ultimate underdog, and you truly believe when Daniel Bryan's out there bell to bell, it, it's not about routines and, and a dance partner. It's about throwing everything you've got against the wall to see if you can beat this SOB across the ring, and it's usually some big old behemoth that he has no business taking down. I mean, he is the ultimate David and Goliath, uh, and who isn't always rooting for David there, and it's in... It's in with his body language. It's in the way that he flows in the ring. It's and not, you know, just not a move set or whatever it is. It's about how he presents that, how he knows to use it, when he should be using moves, when he should be selling certain ways. And overall, the dude just has an incredible charisma. Yeah. Who would have saw yeah. that coming from a guy who looks like a goat? So when I used to go to the Ring of Honor shows back in the day, when he first showed up, I mean, we're talking obviously 02, but when I really first started going to like every show around my area was 03, and everyone's like, oh, this is Brian Dean. I said, okay, slowly but surely, people saw his charisma coming out, and he was the most over guy on every show. And I mean, we're talking about shows with Smoke Joe was the champ and, and being dominant, AJ Styles coming in and out, Christopher Daniels, you got a freaking great Muda coming in and that, you know, for once a big, big show, but he would always kind of shine through the Briscoe brothers. I mean, you had all these great, great guys and great characters, but he was always getting the best ovation. And he would say the stupidest catchphrase just to make a point that he could get it over and it would get over. Like, I'm going to kick your fucking head in or whatever. Like, like, and then the crowd would literally go do, do, do with a clap. I was like, how did he get like the pacing? Yeah. Like, how does he get like, and he would say something like even nowadays, he'll say fickle. And for some reason, like that, and he's totally joking, and that'll get over. It just shows you. He's no, like, he's right. He ain't joking. He's right. Yeah, but he's so charismatic that you don't even realize. Like, man, this guy can get over the word yes or no. Like, you know what I mean? It's, it's he's he's great. You remember the first few times you would hear that yes and no, and you're like, this is the stupidest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> and then by like then by the end of the month, you're up there in front of your television, alone in your house, doing the yes chant or waving the no. I mean, that's and, and you know, in so many ways. You know, Paz, you're talking about watching, you know, I was talking about that with Nigel, watching these guys come up and you see those different styles and you really see a, a, that indie work rate, that indie style. You know, maybe in a lot of ways, you know, going to WWE, sometimes they get a knock. Oh, they're, they're going to ruin them. They don't know how to handle this. You look at somebody like Brian, you know, is a perfect example here where it, it forced him to tap into those other skill sets. And, and and then he took it to a whole new level and became so much more dynamic. And now he's in a conversation like this. As much as I love Brian, to, to take it back to Nigel for just a second, at the time when all those matches were happening, pause, who were you higher on, Brian or Nigel? 
always was a bigger Brian fan, but I love Nigel. He was like the the second guy that I was like, oh, I can't wait till he wins the title and gets an awesome run with it. And obviously, his run technically was longer than than mm-hmm. uh, Brian, but uh, it was it was Brian for me number one. I just I as soon as I like started getting a hold of him and seeing all his matches, like, damn, I love this guy. Rick, what about you? Were you higher on Brian or Nigel? Oh, I was big time on Nigel. I, I was like right like I said, you. man. I like I'm Nigel. seeing him in those early shows here at HW before I even know who, you know. Brian Danielson was, I knew Nigel, and I remember sitting there saying, this guy is going to be main eventing WrestleMania. I think I've said that maybe about four people, and none of them have made it there. (laughs) (laughs) I think there's an entire generation of fans now that have never seen a Nigel McGinnis match. Yeah. And, and, you know, you've, you've just heard him on WWE commentary, and you can even hear it on commentary the way his brain works, the way he's laying the psychology out in his mind, what he would have done in that situation. And, you know, maybe what he would have done in that situation is go over and step on your throat. Like at this point, as I look back on it now, I should have been higher on Brian because I never liked Nigel as a baby face. And there's no way he ever would have been a heel in the WWE. He was too damn small, You, you know, like just, just looking at the body types. I don't know. I, I, there, there I don't know. Something how, how, about big is, how big is Nigel? Oh, he's not that much bigger than Brian. I, I don't know, but his the way he was cut and that look had something different about it. And then he went to TNA, and well, we all I was know say that was the, the last time that he wrestled was Desmond Wolf. Yeah, it was crazy going back to then. You do you remember when you know Bischoff comes in and he implements this fan voting top ten? And quickly they realized the fans weren't voting the way that creative, the creative direction wanted them to, because you had Wolf like every week at number one. I mean, just think in TNA at that time, you could have had AJ Styles versus Nigel McGuinness for your championship. And instead they were riding, you know, the big Papa pump train and, you know, Paz's favorite wrestler, Hulk Hogan. He's up there. There's no doubt about that. It might be the favorite. Uh, Nigel, by the way, listed as six foot three. He's pretty big. I met him before. I was gonna say. Wow, I was gonna really? say Jargo. I was gonna. I, I remember him. It's been a while since I was in a room with him. But is I that mean, a legit up six him. three or is that a, like a Jericho? He's, he's he no. He's legit over six foot. I really? honestly, honestly, I would say he's probably six one or six two because I've, I'm about six foot. And I stood next to him. He's a little bit bigger than me. Not a little bit, but you know, an inch or two bigger. So I think he's probably well, maybe maybe if you two. grow the hair out there and get the spike. Oh, there's no way that's that. That was the other thing too. Is, is Nigel <laughs> always had that that British punk rocker thing kind of working for him? It was cool. I, I, yeah, I like me some Nigel McGinnis. Uh, Paz, you brought up another name that's actually one of the next names on my list: Samoa Joe. Oh, I thought you were going to say Takeshi Marishima. Oh, okay. All right. Uh, I, I got Samoa Joe on my list for greatest worker. I mean, is there anybody that you could ever put Samoa Joe into a program with that didn't come out more over than going into it? Like Samoa Joe, when it comes to work, whether it was personality, whether it was in the ring, regardless if it was a luchador or if it was Kevin Nash, Samoa Joe would get it over. Samoa Joe, absolutely on my list. I agree. I love it. RBV? Uh, Joe, again, one of those damn near classic throwbacks. I mean, it looks like you could put him in uh, on a black and white screen back in the 60s and 70s in one of those smoke-filled arenas anywhere across the country, 
and he's he's viable. He's legit. He's he's up there. He's a he's a star. You you could plop him almost into any era, and he is going to fit in. And I think that was what's so incredible about him. And you continually hear, you know, people that have worked alongside him. Hell, uh, I just got before we sat down to record here. I just got done finishing up some cuts pause with your interview with Nick Aldis. And in that hour plus conversation you had with him repeatedly, he is complimenting Samoa Joe about the subtleties and those techniques that just go unnoticed by the untrained eye that truly set off what your, what your goal was in professional wrestling. And he gives credit to Samoa Joe, just being able to guide him along and giving him so much credit for, you know, essentially for helping make him, Crapped him into the NWA champion he is right now. And you continually hear stories about that from Joe. And when you go out there and you watch him that bell to bell. And it's, again, to me, it wasn't, it's not that floor routine. He's raw. You you feel like whoever's across that ring is in it, is in it for, they're going to be fighting for their lives because Joe is coming at them. Uh, and just those little subtle moves, his facial expressions, uh, his selling. Again, Joe's a big dude who can get it done, but it wasn't for the sake of getting it done. It had to mean something. And Joe's another one of those guys that for any of the listeners that are only familiar with his WWE run, go back and watch some of the matches he had in Ring of Honor and his early days at TNA before his knees kind of gave up on him. I mean, Joe was one of the most athletic big men that we've seen in the business. He was very much a Bam Bam Bigelow but I always felt a much better promo where, where yeah. Joe could go out there and just cut a promo and just, you, you felt like a mafia hit was coming after his poor opponent. Like you genuinely felt bad for whatever Joe was going to do to this guy. That, that you, almost, you gave me goosebumps there. I'm talking about dropping Joe in any era, man. Give me Joe and bam, bam. But then oh. specifically give it to me in the ECW arena. Could you imagine putting those two guys together? Just put them together as a tag team and just no, let them go. I, I don't even want to imagine that. Young me would be terrified. Oh my god! And it's interesting Great. with Joe because people were, were thinking like, "Oh, would he be able to fit in with WB? Like, how would he do?" And and I'm just thinking of like, man, he could have been awesome with a better push. But just look what the, in the little few that they gave him with Lesnar, how much he made Lesnar look great, and how much he made himself look great, cutting that awesome promo. And then when they had that four-way at SummerSlam and they were continuing to feud, he had that other awesome promo where he, boom, boom, you know, shooting on all the shooting on all the guys, quote unquote. It was just like one of those things. Where it was like, man, I missed that Samoa Joe because when he turned it on, he was awesome. Going back in the day, match of the year against Kenta Kobashi, three awesome matches against Punk and ROH. It was like, okay. Then he goes to TNA, has some awesome feud with AJ. Then he has a great match with AJ and Daniels, the three-way, which is quote unquote five stars and unbreakable. But th there was just like a period of time. Then he faces uh, a Kurt Angle in the cage at lockdown was their biggest show of all time, pay-per-view and, and money and drawing power wise. It was like, there was a portion of Joe that oh, it was so great. And, I don't know, I feel like WB really fucked up with him. I know he got injured and everything else. And I did like his feud with AJ and WB because that was so funny because it showed like a difference out of him. Hey, Wendy, you know, like that, like almost like comedic psycho side of him. But when he was passionate and he loved it, just unbelievable. And I love that feud with Lesnar. I wish that they could have done more with it. it. It's funny because Joe went from that guy who signed with NXT that everybody was like, wow, really? 
Samoa mm-hmm. Jones going to the NXT. Oh, oh, it's it's more as like a player coach kind of thing. And I thought immediately, I was like, Joe's going to get himself over. He's going to win the belt and he's going to end up on Monday Night Raw. I mean, it, it just, it, it seemed a foregone conclusion, but he went from that guy who signed as a player coach in NXT into the conversation of, is he one of the best guys who never won the WWE championship that should have like, it's, it's a damn shame Joe never got his run with the Universal or World title. Great. RBV, you agree with that or what? Uh, absolutely. And you mentioned that that little run. It, it was an exciting time. I mean, it was one of the more, those early exciting programs with Lesnar. You know, just instead of coming back for Triple H or, or Cena. I mean, this was an opportunity. Okay, l- let's see what these one of these darlings can do in a serious program with Brock Lesnar. And people bought in. They, they were believing. And it was, it just sucks that it was so short, such a small you know, window. I don't have him on my list, but I probably should. Pause, did you have Brock Lesnar on your list? I mean, did, has anybody worked the WWE audience more over the course of the last 20 years than Brock Lesnar? How crazy is that? I did not. But now that you're saying that, I don't know why I didn't. I was kind of, kind of a misstep, a bit of a stumble there. I should have had him on my list. You're right. I didn't have him on mine either, but I absolutely should have. I know Rick had him on his because Rick had the foresight and the, the, the wise nature. I don't even that. have. I don't even have a list. I am the what? ultimate worker. I am on the uh, fly. Oh man, um, Lesnar. I would definitely consider him on the list, and he's one of those guys that he could cut a promo if need be, if he wanted to, because he proved in UFC. But kind of, I think even better that he almost flies under the radar promo wise and better because he doesn't really need it. Heyman can just talk for him. It, it, you know, here's a uh, promo. Uh, you know, I think it's so overrated because what? of the, the verbal. No, verbal. You can say a whole lot with your body language. And you can feel the emotions, the intensity, the importance of Brock Lesnar simply standing there with his mouth shut over 99% of this current crop of WWE stars. What's the greatest Brock Lesnar promo of all time? Well, the one Paz mentioned, I'm going to go home and drink my Coors Light. I don't give a crap about <laughs> this Bud Light. Yeah. For me, for me, it's yes. always going to be, baby. for me, it's going to be, I don't give a shit about your kids. Like to me, that's the greatest Brock Lesnar promo ever. What about uh, my favorite? Just push that kid, that wheelchair kid down the steps. Oh my God. Yeah. That, I just, I just love the one where they wanted volumes. him. Yeah. Where they wanted him to say something, and he lo- looks at Heyman, and he just goes, say something stupid, Paul, and he walks off. <laughs> that's all you need. I mean, that's the brilliance of it, and it's just in his just in his body language, his facials. What was that? Though? Like They had like a couple during that one show where he was sitting there just reading a magazine that had nothing to do with anything. Uh, Brock with the boombox dancing. Yeah, yeah. And our truth with our truth too, if you remember that, where yeah. he li- where he literally, I think he got him. He made him laugh because he was like, "Wait a second, I don't want to challenge you. I wanted to fight him." Our <laughs> truth. He, he challenged I, Heyman. I almost put Ron Killings on my list for greatest oh. worker of all time. Oh my god! I, I mean, think of how, how much how money that mu- that guy has made. So much money over the course of the years, and he hasn't taken a bump in at least a decade. No, a lot of people forget. You know, he had. 
down in TNA early on. NWA World Heavyweight Champion, Ron Killing. You talk about a guy that could go out there and get it done, knew how to get the audience going, who had a tremendous flow. Now, I would say this about because I know we're going to get to him, and I don't want to overexpose it, but sometimes he was too smooth in, in his execution where it looked like, okay, and to me in wrestling, you don't want it to look overly choreographed. And sometimes he was so athletic and so good. And because people look at the comedy stuff now, they forget about how truly great he was bell to bell in between those ropes. He would have made my list if he'd unblock us on Twitter. He blocked you on Twitter. Yeah, because Rick and I started doing the seven second dance party and evidently our truth didn't approve. Oh, ouch. Gimmick infringement. Yeah. Um, as far as the next guy on my list, the guy that I mentioned before, and he's possibly throw him up there as a 30 on the Bret Hart scale. And that would be the nature boy, Rick Flair. Best promo ever. Maybe up there. Definitely a top five. Uh, you know, you gotta love his promos, his charisma, maybe second to none, his work rate up there as far as technical technical ability and wrestling ability could wrestle anybody could, as they say could wrestle a, a broomstick and make the broomstick look good so he got to throw nature up there as being one of the greatest workers of all time i, I feel like nature boy rick flair should it, like my grandpa used to say that which is understood does not need to be stated i feel like every category on the face of the planet that's that's kind of where rick flair is when it comes to mm -hmm. best whatever in pro wrestling history i mean yeah the, the guy was the complete package and there's something said for being the greatest chicken shit heel of all time and when rick flair would drop to his knees and start shaking his head no Everybody in the arena felt that. Everybody wanted to see Ric Flair get punched in the face. He worked everybody. Even when you knew, like Ric Flair go into a territory and there was a 0% chance that your guy was going to beat Ric Flair for the NWA World Heavyweight Championship. And somehow Flair would make you think that he had a chance. I mean, yeah, absolutely. One of the greatest workers of all time. If not the greatest worker of all time. Why is Rick shaking his head? I'm very confused. Oh, it's an agreement. And uh, it better be. Jesus Christ, Rick. No, it, it, this goes back. Is We're going to regularly. This is going to be the running theme. The, when we're going to go through you guys. And between the two of you, we got like 50 damn people to cover here. But, you know, there's going to be some There's going to be some good. There's going to be some great. And there's going to be elites. And those that are going to be in that elite category are going to carry, a, a, you know, a quality that Bret Hart. I was talking about with Bret Hart. Ric Flair damn well believed it. From the tip of his head to the bottom of his toes, he believed everything nature boy. He breathed. He just didn't just breathe pro wrestling. He breathed the persona of Ric Flair. And, and, and so, when he traveled territory, town to town, as Jargo saying, come on, you know, back of your head, deep down in your gut, our local territory champ, he isn't going to do this. But because Rick believed, because your local champ would buy and believe this thing, you buy a ticket. If it was front row or up in the rafters, you had to see this thing because somewhere in your heart, in your soul, you believed it. 
That was what was so magnificent. And then you get in there. And when you just, when you open up that door, just you give an inch, Rick's going to take a mile. So as Jargo's talking about in there selling, when he's down on his knees to your local, you know, the Southern champ or whatever, wherever they might be at, when, when Rick hits those knees and that panic, that sweat and tears possibly coming down that face, and you see your guy getting ramped up, hyped up, charged up, that's when that that in your gut was in the back of your mind, whatever it was, was telling you you had no chance. They check out. You are bought in full 100%. And with Rick, too, he'd go out there. He'd go town to town. Might have been damn near the same match, but it was still about 60 minutes. And he'd go out there and take his bumps, and he gave you everything like it was the biggest show. And you've heard regular, you know, some people would be like, well, he's even doing this in B-Towns, spot shows. You know, <laughs> he went out there and gave, gave everybody. And that's, he, he loved, he believed he was the champ. So he was going to go out there and act like a damn champ. And much like Bret Hart, he still does. Like there is no more Richard Fleer. Like that man no longer exists. Dude. All you have is Ric Flair. You have uh, Andrade, Dan, Charlotte, and Rick at the pool the other day. Just is on Instagram, a family function, and he takes a suplex into the pool. What's he doing? He's selling it in the pool. It's the nature. It's awesome. With Flair, I feel like you always got to mention the dragon. Ricky the dragon. Steamboat, of course, is on my list as well. Probably those two are the greatest feud as far as in-ring wrestling of all time, as far as I'm concerned. It has to be considered, at least in the top three. 89, Flair, Steamboat. Their series of matches, I know everyone remembers the three. They also had a house show match that somebody was lucky enough to record in Andover, Maryland, and it's online on YouTube, which Meltzer saw and gave over uh, six stars, which was, I guess, the original six-star match, which is funny to mention and talk about because now with uh, – well, I, actually, Okada and – I mean, um, uh, Kawada Misawa got six stars about five years later after that, and we're kind of recording on a day that is very important to that, and I'll mention that in a second, but – it's just funny to think about six stars really kind of started with that match all the way back in, in 89 because it was a house show match that somebody recorded and somebody got the hold of the footage, which is really cool. But I got to throw Steamboat out there as well. He, to me, is like the perfect look for a baby face, perfect wrestler for a baby face. I know maybe you could say maybe he's not the best worker because he didn't really work heel or he wasn't that great of a promo. But to me, I liked his baby face promos and I loved him as a worker. Maybe not the complete package that Flair was, but you got to throw him in the consideration just because of he's freaking Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. You know, it, it's funny that you say, you know, you talk about Flair, you have to talk about, and I thought you were going to go to HBK, but no, you, you, you go to Ricky the Dragon Steamboat, who I also have on my list, but I don't have him next to Ric Flair. I have him next to Macho Man Randy Savage, who also I, I feel like you have to put on this list. It's funny how all these names kind of float together, you know? And they're the same names that we talk about every single week. And I feel like Steamboat, while he belongs on the list, he's probably nowhere near the top. But it, it, Steamboat is so ironic because he's never the top of any list, but he's always on the list. He was like the jack of all trades, master of none. Got to be mentioned, yeah. He's got it like that five, you know, that five tool player. 
that it, 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 it might be like the, the Robert Ory pro wrestling, you know, the, the guy that's talked about I, around all these tremendous accomplishments and, and great players, a tremendous dance partner. And, and, and he has with, that respect as one of the goats, but you still feel like he's underrated. <laughs> it's so weird. I, I think, you know, a lot of that might've been, he had these tremendous flashes, but it seems like there was a lot of stop and go. There were some breaks there, you know, it'd be him or uh, maybe a Booker's decision uh, moving quite a bit. So, I mean, I, there's a lot of things that just didn't fall in his flavor, in his flavor, in his favor. Uh, but absolutely, I mean, a tremendous, tremendous worker in the business. You know, it, it's interesting that you bring that up. Maybe that's what works against Steamboat was that he got bounced around so much. And the reason he got bounced around so much was because he only worked babyface. I mean, you, you couldn't turn Steamboat heel. I mean, they could have. It would have I mean, failed I, miserably. But but. I, I wonder, too, if he didn't take that time off there in the uh, after, after three. With the birth, yeah. it was you know, the birth of his son. He wanted to be there. I'm not. I'm not faulting him for that. I mean, you know, that's that's important. You know, a family decision. Uh, but you, you really think, you know, that's, you know, what what could have been on that larger platform, that that grander platform of WWF at the time. So you mentioned the Macho Man Randy Savage. To me, him and Flair are like the perfect professional wrestler to me because. The look is awesome. You look at them like that guy's somebody. That guy is awesome. That guy's a wrestler. I love everything about that guy. That's Savage and Flair to me. My my one and two as far as like the look, the wrestling ability, and the promo. You throw that mix. Like the Bret Hart scale again, Savage and Flair might be 30 out of 30 in a lot of people's worlds just because, man, like these guys are so damn good. At, but also, too. There was no Randy Poffo. He was Randy Savage. I mean, that's real. He became that. And even people said, like Bischoff would say, he go to his house for a meeting, and he's still using the same voice. And he's like, "Come on, man! Like we're alone here. Like we're having contract negotiations. Come on!" I wonder like, where the last time someone actually heard his voice was. Like right, his right. true voice. Uh, because again, what what's the key word here, guys? Believed. Yep. Yeah. yeah. So we believed. Uh, I think a difference, though, that you've seen with, with Macho, as you heard the stories, where maybe someone like Hart was a little difficult. Uh, maybe I know we're going to talk about Sean's difficult, Hogan difficult. You talk about maybe not just Worker, but these true these mega stars, Flair at times, difficult with it. Macho always seems that, you know, maybe in his personal relationship, he was a little difficult to handle, but he knew, okay, let's make that money. Yeah, he knew to put money first. Yeah, I think the thing with Macho was he was just so damn paranoid, like about everything, by all accounts, you know, and that'll eat at you, man. Absolutely. Well, I think you know, uh, maybe the same with Hart. When you know, when you come from generations yeah. of wrestling, and you got come on, let's face it, a scumbag carny business, yeah. where you always got someone looking to slit your throat. Rick, how dare you? Hey, that's the truth. Hey, we get to sit down with a lot of great people from the past, and they regularly tell you that. With Savage, though, I got to rank him very high. I'm not going to necessarily put one guy over the other just yet, but I rank him very, very high on my workers list. I don't know about you guys. He's very high up on my list. He would absolutely be very high on my list. 
I'm amazed though that we still haven't got to my number one, which is is I, a I, little I, odd. You, Forty you, minutes in, you mentioned him already, and I know who it is. Shawn Michaels. Uh-oh. No, not not any close for me. No, Shawn Michaels is not my number one worker of all time. Let's, Although he is very very. Yeah, high let's, fo- on my let's list. focus on Michaels though. Let's focus on HB Shizzle. You know, it it, it was kind of weird. I watched the uh, A and E biography on HBK the other day, um, and it's I you it was, almost it was for- solid. Very you good. almost forget how charismatic he was so early on in his career, Mike. With so many of these guys, it's like they kind of figure it out as they're going along. With Shawn Michaels, I felt like he just always had it, even when he was part of the Rockers. You know, it was just like they're that guy. He's got whatever it is. He's got it. Just that natural charisma at HBK. I feel like he he belongs towards. He's kind of like Flair, right? Like if you're having a greatest of whatever. Shawn Michaels is absolutely on that list. Ricky, baby? Uh, yeah, I, I do want to take myself back when I say no way. Obviously, he's going to be up there close to the top. Hey I, hey, I remember the first time that I seen him in the AWA, Midnight Rockers, both him and Marty, thinking like, man, this is something different. This is something kind of unique. And it, it was in their presentation. Uh, what One of my knocks, and this is who I was alluding to before, Sometimes with Sean, he was like the, he is such an inspiration and what so many of these kids today look towards in professional wrestling. He's one of those guys that have helped turn it into a floor routine. They're going out there. Sean was such a good flow and so crisp at times. A lot of them picked up on just that aspect and didn't realize it, but HPK had a hell of a grasp on the philosophies of the whys and the wins, the hows and the whys, you should be doing something. But sometimes even on that, and when he would take that uh, the corner flip and you know either go right over, I mean, it's, it's, for me, that's why I preferred Brett a little more because Brett was raw, it looked rugged, it was real. Where when Sean, man, he was just so crisp. You know, I, I, I've heard this point a couple times over the course of these best of, and, and the Shawn Michaels doc really made me think about it for a second. If you want to blame anybody for them going to the smaller superstars and getting away from the land of the giants and, and, and the, the big sports entertainers like you're talking about, Rick, I know whose fault it is now. It's Vince McMahon's fault. Because that happened at the same time as the steroid trial. Yeah. And what and, and and Vince did it to himself. And it was a conscious decision to go to more normal looking guys so that there wasn't that perception of the steroid scandal constantly following it. So in a weird way, your your biggest bitch with professional wrestling today is all Vince McMahon's fault. No, it's some d- damn feds. <laughs> again this is the government holding down the man that's what this is all oh. about you know oh. I, give me steroids in my wrestling i want steroids across the board people know what the effects are you know i, I don't want just home runs staying in the stadium i want home runs here in cincinnati hitting kentucky all right juice it up baby let's get the game back on track let's get wrestling back on track but but no when i talk about ruining professional wrestling 
in my eyes, let's even for the sake of being polite in the, in the conversation, evolving professional wrestling, you have a, an entire generation today who looked at Shawn Michaels and that those incredible movesets and the, the, what he was able to accomplish top of the world in professional wrestling. They saw the moves, but they didn't go out and learn what Shawn knew about it. And that's the psychology behind everything he was doing. Well, and that's why he works in the NXT now to pass on that knowledge. I don't know if he's passing it on with some of the shit they're pulling off. Yeah, well, there is that. They're, they might not be listening. Uh, as far as HBK, to me, never a great promo. Always one of those guys, very good, very capable, but never stood out as far as like leading the pack as far as great promos. Like Bret Hart, like I said, 97, had that year where like everything he said he was on fire, he was getting this great reaction. Michael's never had a year like that or even a month like that where he was just like the best promo. Always was good, though, and, and in, in some cases very good, but never the best. Like he's no uh, Flair, The Rock, Piper, Dusty, Arn, like those guys, Jake. He's, I don't know, he's in that category behind them. I just never thought he was a great promo. Good look. A great wrestler, but never uh, what, like the best promo. I think that in his first career, he was much better with body language. And he was just a guy you just ultimately just want to see him just get his face smashed in. And that, that was what his job was. Uh, his second part of his career, when you really, you know, the born again, uh, that run at the end is where you got to feel a little bit more of the, again, the reborn Shawn Michaels, who he was. And I think it was night and day. Uh, but again, you know, like when they when they went back to the, especially on the back end, like the DX G rated seems so forced at times. It was awful. Yeah. And I think, you know, there's one spot where you're going to definitely on on the heart scale that he's going to take a serious hit to HBK is what is in his promo interview, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, no, I would agree with that, too. So. Jargo, you have me very uh, interested here. Who the hell is number one on your list if we haven't named him yet? The greatest worker of all time by a mile to me is Chris Jericho. And, and what Chris Jericho has done over the course of basically 30 years at this point, he's a great promo. He's got a great look. He gets everybody over. He can go in the ring. He can work any style as he has proven, especially over the course of the last five, six years, the longevity. I, To me, when I think of a worker, Chris Jericho got over the word it. He got over <laughs> a piece of paper twice. Yep. I mean, it, when I think of workers and the complete package, it's Chris Jericho. You hear that? Uh, are we, are uh, I, yeah, I'm abso absolutely up there. And what Jericho again has been able to, the different faces of Jericho that you've seen. I, I mean, how many hats, how many times has he evolved and, and changed for the ever growing and evolving landscape of professional wrestling? He's there on the cusp each and every time. Maybe it's young where he's trying to get himself over. Uh, it. And, you know, he, you give him, he's one of those guys, you give an inch, it's going to take a mile. He can go out there. You, you loved his facials. And I would say, it, you know, early on, probably working a little too crisp, 
seeing those influences from like a Shawn Michaels or something like that. Uh, but I think what did him well though, is, you know, going down to the Southern territories and learning things like that. But so he always had that in his back pocket, even when he, you know, goes through ECW goes to nitro. So he still has a little bit of that, but he's still watching, you know, those other, you know, the luchador style, the other guys are getting over there. He's kind of blended in with those great technicians. So he's trying to find his own way, but I think ultimately that's what helped him as he would begin to grow over generation. I, I think when we talk about worker, one of the things I want to put over with Jericho, uh, Jericho, I mean, Jericho hit everything perfect with the pro wrestling aspect. Jericho is one of the few today that get how to use properly use social media to grow his pro wrestling brands and, and what that means when he is in that ring or on screen. He doesn't really overexpose. He knows how to walk that thin line. He, he knows how to get people riled up. He knows how to pull it back. He's one of the few that, that absolutely know how to do that. The, the, the cat agrees. Nice. Look at that. Come here, Ozzy. Yes, Ozzy agrees. We got a run in. Yes, Ozzy. As far as Jericho, to me, if you look at the, if we could just go back to the, that Bret Hart scale of, of being you know, the great worker, how is Jericho a promo? Probably a 10, right? Technician-wise, he, he's up there. He's close. And then look, he's got to be pretty close just because I always liked his look. He's different. Sometimes he'll change his look. He'll never look the same for long. Uh, he's got to be pretty high up there on the Bret Hart scale too. Yeah, I mean, I, I find me a box that Chris Jericho does not check. And especially the longevity aspect. To me, yeah. that's what really makes Jericho. It, is And the crazy thing is you can look at inner circle Jericho now and you can draw a direct line to Lionheart Chris Jericho. Like it is clearly, it's the same character who has just evolved so many times. I, I think Jericho is just an absolute master. And whether it's, you know, Nitro in 97 and he's got 15 seconds worth of promo time or whether it's 2021 Jericho and AEW and he's got 10 minutes worth of promo time, you have to see that promo because you never know what Chris Jericho is going to say. And the thing that just pushed it over the top for me was when he went to New Japan Pro Wrestling just a couple of years ago. And it was just like, oh my God, we're getting a third career of Chris Jericho. And he got it over. And he just keeps getting everything over. Definitely. I was just going to say, because if you remember New Japan, Wrestle Kingdom the year before did 15,000 people less. So it's like you take the same crew, put on this show, just add Jericho. You got about 15,000 more tickets sold, which people might say, oh, that's, not, that's amazing. Especially this day and age, that is amazing. That is just a testament to him and what a great draw yeah, he really is there. Just all awesome stuff there. And then just going back to kind of his WCW days for a second, I was just talking to Kevin Sullivan about Slamboree when he was out there cutting that promo. Remember for the Battle Royal and all the competitors were coming out? So I was like, oh, is that your idea? He said, no, that was all Jericho because he had a certain amount of time and he literally got everyone over, but ended up getting himself over by all the jokes that he was saying. He said, all him, all Jericho. He said he was the master of maximizing his minutes. He still is. I mean, even when we heard him on commentary with AEW during the pandemic, I think that's another great career for Chris Jericho when he's done wrestling because he got everybody over on the show. Even if he was just telling you how terrible of an individual that person was, like Orange Cassidy. Absolutely. So for me, as far as some guys that we didn't mention yet, I know... Jargo wanted to mention some Japanese 
guys as well. I know yeah. it's hard. I know it's hard with the promos to kind of throw that in, but I feel like you have to mention the Japanese just because of the work rate and how they are in the ring. I feel like they always, even more so than just the technicians, just like being able to put the match together, the timing, the pacing, the style. Like they always are to me are some of the best workers. Yeah, and it doesn't matter if it's Misawa, Kawada, Muto, Tenru. I mean, there's there's plenty of classics. And then if you want to go into a more newer crop, Tetsuya Naito, I would put up there. Maru Fuji over at Pro Wrestling Noah, I would put up there. Ultimo Dragon, if you're looking for another throwback. Kota Ibushi, when he throws that switch, when he becomes Murder Ibu, it doesn't matter if there's 500 people in the crowd at Korokin or if there's 50,000 people in the Tokyo Dome, you know, somebody's about to die. But of course, the number one on, on my Japanese list has got to be Kazuchika Okada. Kazuchika Okada, regardless of who he is in the ring with, if he's cutting a promo, if he's walking around at a San Francisco Giants game, that guy can work anybody. Because if you know anything about Okada behind the scenes, he is not the rainmaker. He is a giant nerd who enjoys baseball and bubble gum. Like, there, there's nothing about that guy that would say, I am the greatest professional wrestler of a generation until you hear that coin drop. And then he works everybody. It's incredible watching Okada. And, and we, we talk about guys like Joe or Brian or Nigel, just those little things that they do. Okada does all of them. I, watching an Okada match, and let alone when we got to see Okada live in Chicago, Rick, Th that guy, it's just a completely different atmosphere. The amount of investment from the crowd, whether it be live in person or watching on a TV audience. Absolutely. Uh, it was one of those moments where it, I don't want to say starstruck, but I mean, you sh whatever it is, you just know it. I remember standing there, right there next to Jargo and I said, holy shit. I mean, this is, this is a moment. That place uh, this came is unglued. It, it, hell, it, it could have been in an empty gym with just Jargo and I, and you have that. I mean, he walks in, he has this incredible presence about him. Uh, and it, like you said, it, working that style, and it's it's not really fair to, you know, as you said, positive look at because they don't do the same style promos here. Uh, they do the press conference interview. Yeah. So it's presented so much different. So in that world, in that scope, absolutely. Uh, one of one of the best. Now, you, you guys have surprised me here a little bit. Uh, you want to stay on Japan or can I throw a few out here? Uh, I prefer staying on Japan. No, I'm okay. kidding. Yeah, go, no, I'm kidding. Go wherever you want right. to go. Well, no, here. Uh, Paz, you surprised me here. You, you work with these tremendous, tremendous minds, these historians of professional wrestling. And, and you guys haven't gone back and, and touched on the territory stuff. Uh, a name that pops out here. We talked about him last week. We, we couldn't really recall. We were talking about Pat Patterson as a technician. And damn, we forgot this gentleman's name who should have been in that conversation. He's here as a worker who was so innovative, who set the wrestling scene on fire out there, especially in the West Coast. But was, you know, they were sampling their ideas everywhere. Ray Stevens uh, from out there on the West Coast, wherever he was working, him and Pat were tearing it up. Transition from territory days into the not you know into the nineties a little more modern didn't get an opportunity on a large stage how are we not talking about Jerry Lawler? He's on my yeah. list. Yeah, 
He's high up on my list. I got. I, I, I got to say, he's got to be up there near the top yeah. of anyone's list. Even yeah. today, at what seventy seventy one years old, you bring in Jerry Lawler and put him in a match on any show, he's going to go out there and have one of the best of the night because he knows what he needs to deliver. He knows how to bring it together. He knows how to get those reactions from an audience. He's going to get those emotions from you, and he's going to work it. Okay, you, you you bring up Jerry Lawler. Do, can we put Andy Kaufman on this list? No, nah, he couldn't work for <laughs> for. How many freaking tickets did he sell? Yeah, it's true. That's true. I yes. mean, look, and, and did anybody in pro wrestling history ever have more heat than Andy Kaufman did from inside the industry and out? He was awesome. That feud was awesome. And I think that's fair, Jargo, because so often you, you get into your mind these parameters. Oh, they got to be this, you know, this five-star technician you know, all over this. You, you got to look at what their style was. What was their role inside of this variety show that is professional wrestling? And I would say, I want to put there an argument for, for my number one who maybe is at the top of this list, but he's got to be the godfather of this list. And we're going way back. It's Gorgeous George. I Gorgeous George absolutely did cross my mind for this list. I mean, you talk about the ultimate crossover, the, the, the influence of I'm, showmanship. Uh, of theatrics, of sports entertainment. Are you that gorgeous George who inspired Muhammad Ali to incorporate so many of, you know, what, what he became known for in his persona, his characteristics? I'm surprised that gorgeous George would be your number one because I'm, I'm my, when I, I make lists. I, I don't right? know about what, I don't know about one, but I, I, he's got to be up there. When I make my list, I try to think, you know, who would Rick put at number one? Who would Paz put at number one? And, of course, I knew that Paz was probably going to go with Brett the Hitman Hart. And I thought for sure Rick's number one was going to be another name that we haven't talked about, Flying Brian Pillman. I mean, you want to talk about somebody who worked the entire industry, fans and those inside of the business. Huckleberry, I thought for, for sure Brian Pillman would be your number one. Well, and again, you know, that's where I was asking the beginning of the show. How do we define this? I mean, he and, worked and Eric Bischoff. I mean, so, that, that uh, in you, itself is, is, is pretty impressive. I mean, you're getting three paychecks, right, <laughs> <laughs> from, from three different p- companies. Uh, but I, I think what would hold Pillman back, if we look overall, if, you know, did you, how did you work the business? How did you work as – as a, a, a persona on air, how did you work as a persona, you know, as a technician, as a pro wrestler in the ring, we could break it down as all the different, when you take all those together, I just don't think Pillman had enough opportunity away from behind the curtain to let those other kind of areas really shine. It had all the makings for it, but yeah. just not enough opportunities. I got two guys we didn't mention. Dusty Rhodes and Terry Funk got to be considered. Absolutely. I, I had a Funk, but I had Dory. Whoa. Okay. I can see that. Yeah. I like that. I like that too. So, according to Bobby the Brain Heenan, who we all know, love, and respect, the greatest worker of all time is Hulk Hogan. Hulk Hogan. 
He said he put the most butts in the seats, and that's what he considers to be the greatest worker. On the Bret Hart scale, let's put it to that way. Look, 10, promo, probably a 10. Bret gave him a 10 on a promo. And he said, work ready to give him a three or something low. But I would you know, give him way higher. Brett wasn't going to put that over. I give Hogan a way higher work rate because of, of what he could do and, and him carrying Warrior to a certain extent at, at, at WrestleMania, him having an awesome match with Savage, him being able to get the biggest moment ever in wrestling history against Andre the Giant. I mean, him just having these great matches throughout his career. Even when he got older, he still had some great matches left in him. Even if Michaels tried to ruin a great match that he was having, uh, he could still have some good ones. Even his last like big match at Bound for Glory in 2011 against Sting, even that was good. <laughs> like looking at it, and the crowd was into it. Hogan always got the crowd behind him. Maybe not your technical w- wizard, you know what I mean? And he's kind of a, a bigger brooding guy, really, hulking guy. There you go. Um, for the Hulkster, but to me, he's got to be considered. You got to throw him up there. Rick, you agree? Uh, Coach Krzyzewski, come on. Uh, I don't know if there's big money draws when we're talking about Worker. Uh, there's a lot of other intangibles, obviously, to take in for those top draws. But I mean, I for I'd put him third edge out of those top draws. Uh, for a Worker, Austin, I think, blows him out of the water. I think John Cena would beat Hogan out for a, a what? better Worker. What? I Cena's got two left feet. Well, yeah, I mean, but you, Cena had the five moves of Doom. Hogan only had like three. So we're we putting Austin on the greatest and, and worker the, list. And the company, and the company made more money under Cena. So mm, I don't know about that. Oh, that's true. Just because of the TV contracts, that's that's oh, why. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. There's, I mean, there's he, other, there's other influencing. He literally hasn't here. been around for any of that, though. Yeah, he hasn't even no. been around for it. Well, he set the yeah. table, man. Yeah, but you want to talk about workers. I mean, the guy learned Mandarin in like two weeks. And I mean, yeah, he, that's he's a that's, he's genius level thinker. Yeah, that's work. Um, what about I, Steve Austin, though? As far as I was going to say, you know, that's I'm kind of disappointed in us that we didn't talk about him earlier. Wait, him and Hogan, wait, wait, two wait, biggest wait, wait. draws of all time. Just, just because I always bury Hogan doesn't mean that you get to skip me when it comes to the Hogan oh, okay. conversation. I, know, I, just, I didn't want you to rip That's him. That's pause, dude. That's pause. Man. He's <laughs> I didn't want you to rip him. Yeah. Well, well, I, I'm not going to rip Hogan. Um, but what Hogan should have said when Bobby Heenan said that Hulk Hogan was the greatest worker of all time, Hulk Hogan should have said, no, brother, Bobby Heenan is the greatest worker of all time. Uh, and I think you could absolutely make a case for either Bobby Heenan or Paul Heenan being two of the greatest workers of all time, because look at how much freaking money they've made inside of the wrestling business. And ain't neither one of them taking any bumps. I mean, Bobby Heenan, when he, obviously he was a wrestler, broke his neck, but I mean, for at least like 30 years of his career, he never took a freaking bump. You couldn't even look at Bobby Heenan funny. And he was racking in six figures every freaking year. Bobby Heenan got more people over in this business than anybody in the history of this business. Bobby Heenan might be the greatest worker of all time. Well, you, you mentioned that Hogan should have replied, the greatest worker is Bobby Heenan. Come on, brother. Uh, once you put o- Hogan over first, he's not returning the favor. Yeah, No, no. Hogan's not putting anybody over other than himself, brother. But I would put Paul Heyman in that category, too. Paul Heyman, especially when you consider his work in ECW, his work in WCW. Look at how many talents Paul Heyman has gotten over over the course of his career. That's a pretty long freaking list. So just to kind of talk about Austin just for a second, he's got to be considered. If you go by the Bret Hart scale, he's in the high 20s, definitely, for sure. Promo, work rate. 
and look charisma through the roof. And then you throw in drawing power, also great. Got to throw the Rock's name out there too, no? See, my problem with both of those guys is longevity. There, there's just not enough there to mm. put them on this list. I can see that. I, I know we talk about Rock up there as you know, one of those pillars, those true faces, greatness in wrestling. Uh, but I often, I, I don't know, because I have no life. I think about this when I'm drinking alone in the dark. Mm-hmm. Uh, would Rock have had the opportunity to reach those heights if he didn't? It didn't happen to come along while Austin was there. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, good point. I don't know. It's a good point. Uh, another guy that we didn't mention that I thought we would had mentioned. What about Kurt Angle? Yeah, Kurt gets it. And and I think one of the things that we're really seeing here when it comes to work rate is legitimacy. That believability, the ability to suspend the disbelief when it comes to a talent. And I think that's why you're seeing a lot of guys like Kurt Angle, like Brock Lesnar, like Samoa Joe, that just have that authenticity to it. Absolutely belongs on the list. Do you know who Kurt Angle said the greatest worker of all time is? Shane McMahon. Close. Very close. Vince McMahon? Vince. He said anytime, and in, in, I interviewed him not that long ago, anytime that he would wrestle, everyone watched. He said no matter who you were, he goes, that's what a great worker is. You got every eyeball focused on you. He said the last person in the arena was looking at his facial expressions. The guy in the first row studying him. like He was saying that. Vince, even though not a great athlete by any stretch of the imagination, was the best worker. And that's what he considered. Obviously, it's a different kind of grading that, that we're giving it. But just interesting that he would say that of all people, Vince kind of shows you just what a great promo, what a great character, what a great look that McMahon had. Was he looking for a contract renewal or something? Or He's looking for that retirement match against John okay. Cena. Yes. All right. <laughs> so, But I, I think, again, what's amazing here, you know, here between the three of us, but we've kind of laid out some parameters, but we're still have three different opinions for defining worker. You could go probably ask, t- you know, seven more people, and we're going to have 10 different definitions here of what worker is. And it means something different to just so many people. Well, here, here's a great story. And, and Rick was around, actually, while this happened. He got to watch it happen in real time. In my humble opinion, when I look at the best workers in the business today, Tyler Breeze is at the top of my list and people don't understand why Tyler Breeze is my favorite wrestler. Tyler Breeze worked me. I mean, as, as close to the business as we all follow it, right? When we're watching this stuff, if you find a talent that, you know, God, I just hate that freaking guy. God, I hate him so much. He's so he, he's working me. And when he can get me, damn, that's really, really good. So that to me is kind of my standard when it comes to what makes a great worker. And there is one guy who is active right now that I believe belongs on this list. And that seems insane to me, given that he is only 28 years old. And that's Switchblade Jay White. That guy can work everybody. I want to like Switchblade Jay White. I can see how freaking good that guy is. But every time I watch a show, oh, I want to see him get his ass beat. He can work me through the TV 
to the point where I'm convinced like going into it, I'm like, I can't wait to see this match because Jay is great. And then five minutes into the match, I just want to see somebody punch Jay White in the mouth. That's how freaking good he is when it comes to working people. Switchblade Jay White, that's the name that's going to... I can't believe he's only 28 years old. Will you do this five years from now? He might be number one. That's how freaking good that guy is. What about your boy, Kenny Omega? Does he make the list? No. No, he doesn't make the list. He's not even close to the list. He can't even look at this list. That's That's how... Kenny is great inside of the ring. Kenny's cleaner character while he was in the Bullet Club, people really, really dug it. But when you look at Kenny Omega as a career, he can't even look at this list. Not a very good promo either. Let's let's uh, be honest there. I like the guy, but he's just not a not, not a great promo. But did you see that Jericho said Omega is the best worker in the world? Which is funny because somebody posted all these different articles at one point he said Kurt Angle then he said AJ then he said Michaels then he said Flair like he changes it every year which is which is fine because Jericho knows how to work the internet yeah exactly that too again Jericho is the greatest worker there you go but did did you see what JR said yeah he said Orton Orton that is so funny that you work for AEW the AEW stalwart Jericho Omega Omega they're saying Omega JR who do you think he can't even not be honest he's like I think Orton is was Orton on your list? No, but hold on. It, 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 this is the thing with people. You got to go listen to the whole comment. And it, the attack from the AEW locker room on Jim Ross, who gave an honest take on his own show where people were expecting honest, real thoughts and insight from JR. Right. So to me, what is sophomoric and embarrassing is that you have people, and again, I know Jericho and Hardy are working this thing, but perception is again, if you what do you think if you keep telling me how great Kenny Omega is, that eventually someone's gonna believe it? No. But here's what JR says. He says, Hey, in my opinion, I think Randy Orton's the best wrestler in the world today. I know a lot of people are gonna argue me and say Kenny Omega. They're both incredible. That's the amazing thing about this conversation. We can talk about different. That's how he presents it. And everybody starts jumping on it. And obviously, I Jericho and Hardy to come into this thing are just working it themselves. Yeah. So that they're trending. But then you look at these freaking AEW smarks, marks, mark tards, all in between anywhere you want to be. Damn. They they are like worse than Steelers fans. Would Randy Orton be on my list? Yes. Mm-hmm. You know where Randy Orton would be on my list? Right behind CM Punk. Whoa, the punker. Didn't make my list. Nice. Okay. Rick is I, definitely confused right now. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no, I, hey, man. Uh, believe me, uh, even that we, that we would suggest Kenny Omega on this list is it, uh, I've heard it all now. So let's throw anybody out there. Hey, you I, got you got to throw his name. The the, uh, the AEW fans would love it. People people like to rip on Randy Orton because he's like you know the greatest B plus player of all time. Yeah. But I mean, when we were doing the Hitting the Marks Pro Wrestling podcast, Rick and I used to talk about it all the time. Go to a house show. Randy Orton is the most over guy on that show every freaking time. I don't get it. I don't understand it. I'm not a big Randy Orton guy, but that music hits and that place comes unglued every time, whether he's a baby face, whether he's a heel. I mean, I, 
I don't know what it is. People love Randy Orton. And you, you, you get Randy. You get Randy being Randy. You and I have gone round and round he about this. He believes it. Right? He, like Randy Orton he is, is Randy Orton. He, yeah, because he is. I mean, it's not a matter of believing. Yep. He is it. And you and I would always have this conversation. You're like, what the hell? Is he a baby this week? I said, dude, he's Randy. He's just Randy, Randy, Randy. Orton. And that's what's so great about it. And you, you call him a B-plus player. But in so many ways, would you say that, though? I, I, it's because he's so damn good. Yeah. <laughs> he just And he knows it. Yeah. He, he, but the, the my rip on Randy Orton is Randy Orton could be great. Randy Orton just doesn't want to be. Like, if, if you're putting together a card and you need a match at the beginning of the show that is three stars, Randy Orton will go at you and, and give you the best three-star match that you've ever seen complete with a 15-second headlock right, you know, about 15 seconds into the match, right? Like, that's Randy Orton. My problem with Randy Orton is that when you put him up the card in the main event, you get that same three and a half star match. Like it, it's just Randy is Randy and you, what you see is what you get. And that's all you're going to get. Getting the same I think payday, Randy right? could have been great if he wanted to be Randy just never wanted to be. So same, same payday wherever, no matter where he's out on the card. Right. With me though, I feel like it's who he's working with. And if he's like engaged or not, because when him and Daniel Bryan were having those matches, I mean, they were tearing it down. They were having awesome matches. It's just like who he's in there with. I feel like totally plays a, a role like Drew, he was kind of getting on a little bit of a role, but then kind of hit a little bit of a rut. But character-wise, he was doing great. But you could tell it's like kind of into it, kind of not. You could throw him in there with Daniel Bryan. You could, this guy is freaking motivated. There are, you had certain guys, he's like really motivated. And the booking has not done Randy any favors no, over the course no, of the years. No. Nope. Not at all. So is there anybody that we didn't mention that's on your list, Jargo, or that's in your memory bank there, RBV? Uh, the only other guy that was on my list for honorable mention is Barry Windham. Ooh, I can't believe how the hell. Okay. And it was just such a short yeah. window, man. But you got that, what, year and a half, two oh, years, yeah. where he is hands down the best in the business. You talk about someone when we're young, you sit there and you say, wow, I can't wait to watch this guy. Would you put Windham and Orton in that same class if they're not motivated? But if they're yeah, motivated, they're the best that. kind of thing? I could absolutely man. see that. I think it – I don't know. It seems – you really got that impression from Wyndham. I think it was just maybe some wrong business decisions and then shuffling. It was just like – he's one of those early ones like, how the hell did this fall through the crack? Uh, you know, it was a big mistake, yeah. him going to WWF and getting put into that system. You know, that he jumped back and forth quite a while, though. Mm -hmm. You yeah. know, quite not a quite a while, but quite a few times. Yes. So how yeah, are you I, really going to catch that steam? So he was kind of looking for those paydays, but God, what was it? Like 88, 89, 87, 88. What were those years where, damn. Yeah. You couldn't touch him. Yes. You couldn't touch him. Yeah, Even yeah. Ric Flair couldn't touch Barry Wyndham. And, 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 and then, those awesome matches. Yeah. And then it starts to unravel and they pivot the Luger, you know, it's like. <laughs> so a guy that we didn't mention that I wanted to mention was Eddie Guerrero. Eddie's on my list. Absolutely. Um, not necessarily really, really high on my list because, and, and we, we talked about this last week with the technician thing. I, Eddie for me is like you, the last five years of Eddie's career are absolutely incredible. The previous, like, you know, 10 to 15 years are just, eh, okay. 
uh, again, Anybody? You know, it's, to me, it's just the, those flashes. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, uh, God, he was so good. But when it really got to shine, it was so short. Hmm, um, I, I feel I feel kind of like the same way about AJ. Like AJ Styles should be on this list. When, when, when you look at everywhere he's been, like he's kind of a, a Jericho-like, right? Like, I mean, whether it was TNA, whether it was Ring of Honor, going over to New Japan, how he's adapted to the WWE and that style. Like AJ Styles should be on this list, but I don't feel like he belongs on it. it, it it's kind of weird. So who else on the list there? Did we get everybody on your list? I think that's everybody off of my list. I want to throw in some old school guys like Harley Race. I know we mentioned him last week, but he was always a great promo too. He always had that look. Obviously, great worker. He goes without saying, but Harley Race, I got to throw on there as far as an old school guy that we didn't mention that should definitely be on the list. Uh, of course. God, I feel like, you know, it's what well, should have done this by decades or <laughs> generations. Right. Good. Yeah, we could break it down. Yeah. Is it, it's it's going to almost, I'm like dreading the eventual question at the end of the show. <laughs> it's coming up right now. And you're in Europe, in Europe first. Cause yeah. my guy actually isn't who Jargo thinks it is. I, it, it, it absolutely is not, even though I absolutely love that guy, but it's not RBV. Who is the greatest worker of all time? Drum roll, please. Oh man. This, this is tough. And I'm split in so many different directions. The greatest worker of all time. And what it means to me is that full ball of wax, you know, between the ropes, bell to bell, body language, the the promo, uh, selling, moving, moving the product. It's hard to argue, Jericho. Wow. I, I, I want to, I, I, close, if I could, close, man, I, I want to throw Jerry Lawler in there. Uh, I just wish he would have had an opportunity on a truly national level or, or flair. So that's, that's my three that I just put them up on a dartboard and <laughs> let me throw at it. Chargo. I'm going with Y2J, the Lionheart, the pain maker. Oh, you guys, you guys surprised me on that one. Damn. I will have to go without a doubt. The greatest worker of all time is the nature boy. Ric Flair. I just think he is the perfect guy when you think of worker. Just has it all. He's the guy you think of sports entertainer plus wrestler plus promo plus charisma plus uh, drawing power. Everything leads to Flair. And you mentioned before what Hogan should have said, who's the greatest worker. When somebody said to him that you're the who's the greatest worker of all time, it's you, Hulk. And he said, no, it is Ric Flair. So even the Hulkster would agree that is the nature boy. I can't believe... You guys both picked Jericho over the niche. Shocked by that. Well, I, I got him. I got Flair up there, but uh, you know what, Jericho? Uh, yeah, I, I want him trying to get a marketing job with a, AEW. <laughs> uh, then, I got, like I, then I got Lawler up there because I need to bring in a regional legend to my next show. So I mean, I, here's the thing. To me, the difference, all right? Mm-hmm. Ric Flair for... Jesus, you could probably say what 40 years was the same guy. He was the same character. There wasn't a whole lot of progression to the Ric Flair character, right? He he did what he did and he did it very, very, very well. Greatest of all time. But the reinvention, the actual work that Chris Jericho has done 
you could put that up there against anybody on any list. Hell, Jericho would get that list over too. One of the things, Jargo, it would, you know, again, I, I want to close, you know, for myself here on this, uh, believing. And something that you said struck huge to me weeks ago when you brought up the uh, Stone Cold session on the network with Chris Jericho. And it wasn't, it wasn't two guys talking. It wasn't an interview. It was legitimately the pro wrestlers, Stone Cold Steve Austin, having a conversation with Chris Jericho. They were they're so deep and believe so much that they're lost in who the hell they are. It That's seemed, a masterclass on work right it there. Seemed, Those two it, guys working. It seemed like a uh, a genuine two guys sharing stories about the business. That was two wrestlers talking and working everybody. Yep. So as far as this, Jericho, you guys outvoted me two to one. Jericho as the greatest worker of all time. But let's get to the plugs. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Two Man Power Trip. Check out the website, tmptempire.com. And of course, Patreon, patreon.com slash tmptempire. RBV. What do you got? Well, I don't know where we're at right now with the Hami Media Group, but we uh, should have some big announcements, some big news on the way, hopefully over the weekend. Uh, we, we got a little powwow as we do every Friday. So, hey, until then, across all social media, I, I think we're still even TikToking on the HMG, but you can get us across all social media at Hami Media Group. All of our, what you've come to love, our free content is available on our Patreon. I know it's a scary Patreon. We got to pay, but it's free there. Patreon.com backslash Hameen Media Group. Uh, then for myself personally, we've got uh, at the real RBV across all social media. And hey, there is a, a big pay-per-view. One I'm excited for. I'm actually excited for a wrestling pay-per-view coming up this Sunday. It's an afternoon. little throwback Sunday at 4 o'clock. The NWA, when our shadows fall. I uh, want to throw that plug out there as we've got so many great ties. Aaron, Aaron Stevens is going to be on the show defending the tag team championships. Uh, you know, we've got the NWA women's champion, Serena Deeb, who's a good friend of the Hameen Media Group. Uh, Genocide, you can see popping in on Light the Fuse, one of our programs there. They're all involved. But I really wanted to mention it because we're coming at you. We have got some incredible exclusives from the two-man power trip involving Billy Corgan. Uh, Nick Aldis. I think we're going to sprinkle in a few other NWA personalities. We're going to hit you up on YouTube. So make sure that you're going over and uh, checking out Two Man Power Trip Empire on YouTube. And we'll be sharing those links across all the social media pods. Jargo. Keep up with me across all social media platforms at not Jargo. And hopefully by next week when we sit down to have this conversation, I will actually have my studio wired. So I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to that and getting rid of these damn AirPods and uh, getting back into the podcast swing of things once my, uh, my new Mac brain shows up. And uh, as far as this week, we are done with who is, but next week we will have another edition. Not sure what the topic will be yet, but I am kind of intrigued by you guys thinking that John Cena is somehow in any shape, way, or form a bigger draw or star than the immortal Hulk Hogan. 
that'll be a different story for a different day. I don't care if you're talking about money or not. You got to go with the Hulk. There, anyway. But anyway, well, all right. So, so we have reasons. No, <laughs> you have a boner. <laughs> Keep those reasons. All right. Keep those reasons to yourself. All right. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in this week. So, you right back here next week for who is. See you next week, folks. This has been a John Paz Power Trip production in conjunction with the Two Man Power Trip of Wrestling. You could follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Two Man Power Trip. You could check us out on Facebook. You could subscribe on YouTube. You can go to patreon.com slash TMPT Empire to become a patron. And also check out the website tmptempire.com and buy a shirt at prowrestlingtees.com. Two Man Power Trip, where the power lies brother.